You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. We're at season 10, episode 13. Seems crazy to be at episode 13 already when we're what? Not even at the end of September. Uh, I'm John, your host. I'm joined by Tony again. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Hi, good. Hi. You have a good holiday? Aye, it was um, different um, for Cyprus, where I normally go. Um, so um, we were lucky. We got good weather. And I'd recommend MD go down there with a family. Um, Hampshire, really nice. I, I'd really recommend it. I know. It's just good to get away anyway. But good to have you back this week. Cheers, Chief. Uh, and we've got a guest. I know, good John. The other John, he's been doing a few wee specials where, like, likes of Davey Irons and John Martin and stuff like that. Um, so we've got its senior striker who played for Sonor, sitting out to be Albion Rovers, been with a few of the junior clubs, now west of Scotland, um, including Talbot, who I support, and Dominic, the rivals, a few others as well. So, Robert Love, how are you doing? You all right? Not bad, guys. How are you? Aye, good. Great, good to have you on, mate. Aye, it's good to be on. Talk about football for you, how <laughs> I know, aye, because I've sent you a while ago, but we'll try to get you, get you on, so aye, it's good to finally get you on. Yep, no, I was delighted uh, you asked me on, so hopefully get a good, good laugh for an hour and get away from the norm, away from the COVID stuff that's going on now. <laughs> well, the COVID stuff will obviously get brought up, won't it, in, uh, in some aspects, so may as well kick off with it, start off with it. Obviously you're a player, March, you then get told, right? Seasons by, or you're not playing again, maybe for a month or so, and then it gets put to bed completely. <laughs> How did you feel? I think it was I think the whole pandemic thing was when I was an eye opener at the start. You, 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 you seen the, the amount of infections and the amount of deaths, it was you know a really eye opener. And you thought, right, football isn't the back burner, there's, there's more important things, but you just miss it. You know, it's been a big part of my life since I was a, a kid. It's all it's all I know. You know, training two or three times a week, game on a Saturday, uh, and when that's taken away suddenly, uh, you know, it's a it's a big mess, uh, especially when the, when you see the the full time football off as well. You know, even down in England and, and up here as well, it is a, it's a massive mess. And as a player, you kind of you think is that what it's going to feel like if you retire? Um, fortunately, I'm still still playing just now in some capacity. But if that's what it feels like, you know, it's a big it's a big gap. It's a big hole. In your, in your life, especially when you've done it for so long. I mean, I can imagine as well, we're a lot of people, obviously, kind of mental health's a big thing, well-being and stuff like that. I know now, which we'll come on to later on in a bit more detail, but you've obviously moved into the coaching side of things now. How have you been yeah. managing to keep spirits up and with these lads? I think, so, we got appointed uh, kind of during lockdowns, so it was a, a bit strange for us, uh, myself and Matt. You know, we added we everybody to a group chat. We, we had the a chat with them on the phone or, or you know on Zoom or something like that just to, to introduce ourselves, you know, lay down the foundations of what we were expecting when we were going to get going, even though we didn't have a date. So it was it was very unique for us to try and pick up a, a squad of players and do a recruitment as well. Um and we just tried to add everybody to a group chat that was already contracted to the club. And then once we get guys agreed to come on board, again we got them into the into the WhatsApp group and just doing like 5Ks and, and trying to have a bit of banter with them, but it's, it's been unique. 
uh, it's been really, really tough for us in terms of trying to bring the, the squad together, but we're, we're nearly there now. Difficult in terms of trying to get folk on board without being able to meet them properly. Exactly that. Exactly that. I mean, it's okay um, on the phone to people, but I, I've always dealt with, with managers or uh, speaking to even people in my, my uh, professional life in terms of my work. It's better getting them face to face, you know, eyeball to eyeball. You get a feeling for them character wise. I think that's important when you're recruiting for a club like Anne Bank, where it's not money driven. You know, it's all about, you know, what kind of character, what do they want out of the game, what do they want out of their football. Um, so that's where I, th- I felt it was more important to try and get them, uh, you know, try and meet up for a coffee or something like that, which we couldn't do during that, that, that time. Yeah. Is it hard with regards to figuring out what kind of training needs to be done? Because obviously at the minute, players who have been around are used to being buying into games by now, you know, like match yeah. training and having, having a match day and what have you. So at the moment, no games are getting played. Are you just doing light training or are you doing so that, hard training? That was, that, was something, that was something we spoke about as well. So myself and Martin, we, we got the job, we, we thought, right, they're going to give us a start date, which will pro- probably be six weeks from a date. So we put a six-week plan together and say, we'll do uh, twice a week training with games coming in maybe the third week of it um, or fourth week, depending on when we can start the games. Yeah. And this start date keeps on getting put back. We're having to, you know, get back and uh, relook at our session plans and what we're actually giving the boys. I think the, the most important thing coming out of lockdown for me personally was for me to enjoy it and for the boys to enjoy it. So we're, we're maybe not doing a full pre-season. It's more football related in terms of getting the balls out, get a touch it, you know, get them enjoying their football again because they've been away from it for so long. And if we just took them after 14, 15 weeks and just gave them running or hill sprints or gym work, I think that would have, it would have probably lost a few boys' interest. Um, so we've tried to do it a wee bit differently than, than the, the usual pre-season. It must, be hard. it must be hard like getting everybody back into that routine again, especially with not knowing when the season starts. Yeah, no, you're right. It is frustrating. It's not just for us, you know, it's... Uh, all part-time clubs up and down the country, even some of the full-time ones. I, may, I think they might start the Betfred Cups, you know, a week from now, yeah. uh, which is bizarre. It's bizarre because, like some Brora Rangers, are, I've just been told for the Highland League that they're not actually going to be starting the Highland League until November, but they're going to be playing in Betfred Cup games. It's just all a bit strange that everybody's doing different things and we're not all, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet, so be it. Aye, because all the different associations are doing different things as well. There's no kind of clear guidelines across the board, which no. would be surely the best thing to do. Um, the thing as well, obviously, yourself and Bike, it's changed already this season, so it was going to be a big season anyway, with a change from the juniors to the West of Scotland League. Current day, they're talking about 10th of October. Can you see that even happening without no, fans? I think they're at least... I think they released a statement said it won't be before the 24th now of October. So we've taken friendlies right up until the 24th of October, but I just can't see it starting without fans, you know, with the the whole showering thing as well. We're coming into the winter. You know, you can't have players playing 90 minutes in the rain or cold and then driving up the the road. For me, that that just doesn't work. It's okay for a short period of time to get people back, but not not having showers, not having fans there, I just can't see being sustainable for the clubs. And the player enjoyment as well, you know, I just don't fancy driving up the road soaking wet and my, my, my strap, to be honest. 
but surely going to encourage folk getting out doing that type of thing. Absolutely. Fundamentals, when, when this all came out, it was all about, you know, washing your hands in hot, hot soapy water. I, I just see how a shower, shower defers for that. You know, I mean, you can, you can risk assess it, you know, and make sure that there's limited numbers in changing rooms and limited numbers in, in, uh, in the showers. It's, it's, I mean, that's the stuff I do in, in my, my professional career in terms of the construction site. So I don't see how we can implement that um, in football. See, this is what I don't understand with junior football in Scotland because down here in England, um, the, the local club um, is Runcorn Linnets and they're in the, the seventh tier uh, English football. Now, they're allowed fans in their game because they're below the sixth tier, I think it is. If you're below the sixth tier, you're allowed to have fans, but it's, um, you know, ticket base now so they can only do so many tickets so I think it's a maximum I may be wrong but I think it's a maximum 200 um, which is, is big enough for the stadium that they have or what have you have they given any reason why they can't have any fans come to your games not, not that I'm aware of I know there was a survey carried out in terms of the capacity of the grounds and how many that could hold if everybody was to socially distance and then they were looking at the average crowds for the last few seasons and I think everybody um, at our grade of football could have people in socially mm-hmm. distanced grounds based on their average crowds so to me if it's all ticket based and there's a track and trace system in place we can get fans back I believe we can get fans back but uh, I, say, I, I don't know the reasoning um, it's, just, it's way above my head I know yeah. bigger than football just now but me personally I think <laughs> we need fans back we need there's no way we can have football at our grade without the fans back. There's so many clubs on the knife edge just now in terms of finance that if we start without fans, I don't think we'll have all of our member clubs um, next year. That's that's my opinion on it. Yeah. I think it works both ways as well because not only is it good for the clubs, but it's good for the fans because you hear about people's mental health and all that kind of thing. So it's good for people to think, well, maybe they can't go this week, but there's a chance for them to go in a couple of weeks to a game. Yeah. You know, and I, th- yeah. I think See, they've not looked at, at that. I would agree with football. The, the communities are, a, are the clubs of the heart of the communities. You know, you, you take Ock and Lake, for example, Cumnock, Pollock, all of these clubs um, are the heartbeat of a community. And, and it's frustrating for the fans who don't follow big teams every week in terms of, you know, Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen. They do follow these teams and it'll be frustrating for them and if it does start the worry is that they go and find something else to do on a Saturday rather than go and follow these teams so there might be a disconnect there from the, the club and the community which can't harm because the clubs won't be sustainable without them See in terms of the whole situation this season anyway with a shift to the West of Scotland like I think potentially there was a concern anyway but like a club's been forced into the situation uh, of having to move junior because basically they were told it was all or nothing so I think, I think, I think so. I think there's there's, there's probably 14, 15 clubs at our grade that that's got the back and it's got the the business plan to make a real go at it in terms of getting through the leagues. Everybody else kind of, I think, jumped or, or certainly was pushed across. I mean, it's it's a real shame because there's a real history there in the juniors, um, and now they're under the West of Scotland bracket. Just. I think it's lost that wee bit of its, you know, romance, you know, if, if that makes sense. Aye, I mean, it, even like Talbot, they would have preferred to stay junior. There's not that many clubs, I think, that have got the ambition to go up to, I don't know, 
the championship or that, maybe, or even further. I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, there may be some clubs that will come out and say they do. I know the likes of Cowan and Darvo and Clyde Bank, maybe they're the ones that were leading this. They've maybe yeah. got the ambitions to do that, but I think the majority are quite comfortable and happy living, playing at the level. And also as well, the beauty, the beauty of the juniors, I've always thought, it's the local derbies, it's the local matches. Yeah. That's what makes it so special. I, and that's it. If the likes are looking like always, you talk about you know teams travelling midweek games and all that sort of. How we get good crowds every other every other week? You know for the home games, I just couldn't see you know Hockey Lake running a bus up to Elgin for instance on a Wednesday night. You know I, I can't see it when teams are our players are uh, people are working the next day. I can't see that happening. I can't see them you know travelling in the numbers that would travel in the West of Scotland um, Junior League or, or the West of Scotland League. Mapping. What's the the verdict with the players? Are someone excited about it, or they just kind of seen it as as as, as normal? Everybody, everybody feels they were really excited at the start because everybody was going to be under the same bracket, and then it was split with the tier six and the tier seven, and then the three conferences now. So it's still exciting. It's you know as for as we've all moved, we need to get on with it. Um, Just the trouble is when when we start. You know, it's 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 a really exciting time for for everybody in terms of getting getting the new new setup started. Yeah, you happy with the conference that you're in? I, I preferred a, a few more teams. It was a bit more local to us. I think yeah. uh, when we looked at the the split last week, we split the conference again into uh, into two. The two. There's, there's not there's not one club I think that finished below us in the, the old league setups. It's going to be really really tough. I think St Cadillac's the only exception, but they're you know. The players that they've got, you know, they, they should be looking to probably win win that conference, I would imagine. You know, it's, they're looking really strong, like to run through as well. So, I mean, there's loads of good teams. There's loads of exciting games for us. Um, we, we're just looking to try and, try and compete the best we can. You know, it's, it's going to be very difficult for us. Uh, well, you'll not forget your first coaching role anyway. <laughs> no, no. Going it's, deep end. Going uh, <laughs> into deep end and, and in terms of just trying to think in our feet a wee bit because there's... I was talking to Tommy Sloan at our friendly last week. He's he's doing the same, you know. He starts, stop. He doesn't know when the, the league's going to get going, so he's just trying to get everybody as much game time as he can. Um, aye, it's even for the more experienced managers and assistant managers, it's difficult. Did, did you ever think you'd be living through a time where a pre-season friendly would be getting live streamed at that level? <laughs> at our level, unbelievable. You know, it's just it's mental, mental. That that seems to be the the way of it now that everybody wants to Facebook live things and stream things, so yeah. I was going to say, have you noticed much of a difference um, from West of Scotland junior football how to set up with your coaching to when you played in the old first division, second division, third divisions um, in the professional game? Has there been much of a difference? Do you think? See, that was maybe one of the things that. I know it's when I when I left senior football and went into the, the junior setup or the, the new Western Scotland setup. There isn't that much of a difference, you know, in terms of quality. And I think that's been shown over the years when uh, the junior teams have played against senior teams. More recently, I can like beating uh, Aidy United up to Hearts, and I think it was only maybe three 0 or four 0 or whatever it was. So, you know, there isn't that much of a difference in terms of one-off games and, and the, the standard of players. What you do realise is that there is much more commitment needed. To play senior football, you, you can't you can't get away with just training twice a week with your club. You need to be doing extra yourself. 
Um, and that's probably one of the reasons that I left senior football. My, my work career was taken over. Couldn't commit as much as I would like. Um, and that is, it's, it, it's the commitment levels. Commitment levels is, is a massive thing. I'd imagine it's real difficult in terms of training and the training and the commitment in terms of that as well. As it, it, we, when I was playing playing senior, you had, you had midweek games, Elgin, Peterhead, Brecon, um, Stay in Ayrshire, you know, so that commute after I get 90 minutes of football, not getting into half 12, one in the morning, back up at half five for your work, you know, it's, it's difficult, it puts a strain on your, your personal life. Um, and to, to flip it in its head, now, when I play with Cumberland, I play with Walking Lake, you hardly had a midweek game unless it was the summer, you know, and it's better weather and it's your personal life becomes easier to manage. But when you're playing senior, it's difficult. I mean, I, I remember taking half days every other every other week, you know, for for games away to people. It's, you can't you can't keep doing that, especially when you end up with, with a wife who wants to go holidays. For, for, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll go back then to the kind of start of your career. Obviously, your dad played football. So, in terms of getting into football, I take it that's how you get into it. Like, exactly, exactly that. You know, my dad was my babysitter on a Saturday kind of thing. He took me to the games. He sat me on the bench, um, and I'm just in amongst junior football, right? For right, for I can remember basically. Um, loved it. You know, just the you can. Things you, you remember about the, the football growing up, you can always remember seeing like deep heat smell and the bovros and <laughs> that that was that was brilliant, you know, and I, I loved it and just standing in amongst the punters, uh, it was it was great, it was great, and that I kind of fell in love with football from an early age and or the, the older guys, you know, flinging me a ball at half time so I could run about the pitch. You can't get that at senior level, you know, you, that just oh. doesn't happen, you know, it does not happen, and that's why I think our grade of football. For that to move across to a new senior setup, you know, are we going to are we going to lose that that side of it and getting kids into into games and enjoying it a lot more and having that more personal relationship with the players? So what age would you have been when you first went along with your dad to the, for the football? <sighs> oh, I'd have been young. I think seven or eight, easy seven six, or eight. seven eight. Oh, definitely, definitely. Is there any game that stands out? Do you remember watching? I remember. <laughs> One of the earliest memories I remember him uh, dislocating his shoulder, right? And it, it was the shock of that happening. Um, I can't remember. So I went up with my dad, and I think we had to phone for like, my uncle or somebody to come and pick me up because he went straight to the hospital with an ambulance. You know, it was something, something like that. And I always remember the shock of, you know, my dad's heart. And that was one of my earliest memories, which isn't really a nice memory, but I can always remember that shock of an when he played for Beath. Because <laughs> your dad was about a hero, obviously at Cumnock, Junior Cup final. Yeah, scored the winner, didn't he? The uh, scored the winner in the nineteen eighty nine. Cup. Yeah, you were born as well. Yeah, you you know, I was born, so I was only months old at the time. Um, my mum, my mum, my all my family went along. I think I stayed at home with my gran, and she taped it in the old VHS thing. Right, so, okay. And it, it, the funny story was that my mum taped over it watching Neighbours or Home and Away or oh some shit. Oh, <laughs> I Thankfully, it's on YouTube now, the game, but um, I, that was the running joke in the house for a, a wee while. So, when you were, who was your first team that you played with? Just played with, played with Belfield Boys Club. Um, and I was, I was there right through until I was 13. I was in training with you know, Kilmarnock, Rangers, Celtic, all the 
the kind of senior teams like that. Uh, didn't quite fit in, you know, in terms of my ability for Rangers or Celtic. You know, you just knew I wasn't at that level training with guys like Paul Caddis and, and players like that were you know, a standard above. Um, and a Kelly boy as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought... I thought it was a shoe in to sign a development for me with Kamala. You know, I thought I'd done enough to, to win a deal. Uh, it was Alan Robertson that uh, basically told me I wasn't getting a contract. Didn't think I was going to be the right physique, all that usual stuff. Uh, so for a couple of weeks, I was kind of doing a bit of football, thinking oh, I'll just be back to boys club. And at that age, being 13, everybody's getting picked up for development teams in terms of pro youth. So I felt as if I needed to go and play pro youth to get the best coaching and all that sort of stuff. And I got a phone call for United. Um, take in and train and you know there was a contract there if I wanted it just come along and see if you enjoy it and I went along and it was uh, Laurie and Woody um, and it was great you know I, I ended up signing within a couple of weeks um, within six months Campbell Money came to the school and I'd seen death forms with United so it was, a, it was a really positive move for me um, and then I got offered an 18 month full time contract and just before just as I was leaving school uh, Area United went part time, so I was 16 and didn't get a chance to get in full time with United because I went part time. And I got offered a 25 pound a week part time contract at 16. You know, I needed a job, I needed to do something. But thankfully, I went to went to Albion Rose full time for a year. They had like a college and YTS scheme. Uh, you went to college, I think, one day a week or whatever, and you trained the other the other four. Um, one day was terrible. I remember all my, my friends doing driving, uh, sitting driving tests and doing lessons, and I could hardly afford it. See, after I paid my expenses, um, so the year after that, I'll be knows getting I did their part time, either full time, went part time uh, across the board, which actually saved the club to be fair because we were running at a loss every year. Um, and then I went to Stenhousemuir. Uh, Campbell Money, who's the head of youth development, took me up to Stenhouse Muir and I got a job labouring with the company I'm with the now and just got a apprenticeship with them eventually, walked my way up to, to site manager. So thankfully, you know, it's, it works out, you know, taking the, the hits, as you call them, you know, get, being released and not going full time at that age has helped my, my own career in terms of professionalism and um, going out of construction. So yeah, I was kind of fell into it a wee bit. So was that something at that age you thought I best get a career in case the football side hasn't Absol- work out? Even though you're only 16, 17. Uh, absolutely. There was a time when I was leaving Albion Rose, there was a couple of rumours of full-time clubs interested in me. And I knew a couple of friends that was at these clubs. They weren't near the first team, only on you know £100 a week, YTS money or whatever it was. But I can't remember exactly what it was. But it's not, it's not money to live off of. You know, and I always... Always had that thought in my mind, you know, what happens if this happens again? Two year time, three year time, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old. And what did I then do to get myself a job? You know, where did I, where did I end up here? Did I need to get back to college and retrain? Did I need to go to university? That kind of thing. And I never had the best grade. So thankfully it worked out, you know, in terms of me going and getting released and, and going and, and taking a job labouring. That's where it all came about. It must have been stressful as a footballer when it comes to the end of your contract, when you don't know if you're going to stay or you don't know where you're going to go. And I think a lot of folk don't appreciate that, how stressful it must be for a footballer, especially in the lower leagues. 
you know? See, low leagues as well, but in the low leagues, what I would say is they've got the best of both worlds. You know, there's, there's boys on good money part-time, but mm-hmm. they've also got a job full-time. So I would say they ones are is less, it's a bit more, a bit less stressful in terms of their players. What worries me is the players that are full-time, they've got mortgage, they've got kids, they've got a wife, they've yeah. maybe done work or whatever, they're coming to the end of their contract. They don't earn great money that they can save off of. You know, it's the players that I, I worry about in terms of their mental health and, and a really stressful time. But even, even the other side of it in terms of making your decision, and if you've got two or three offers, it's good to have two or three offers, but making the right decision for you in terms of your family, and if you need up, up sticks and move house or whatever, you know, it's all, all that sort of stuff. I think it must be really stressful for full-time footballers as well at the end of the contracts. When you make a decision like that, who, who, who was it you spoke to when you were moving clubs? Or did you just decide on yourself? Or did you have, always, have people you could speak to? I always had people around about me. My brother, uh, who plays football as well, my, my dad, you know, my mum. People like that that I trust, um, close friends. But at the end of the day, one thing I always thought to myself, if I make the decision, I can only blame myself if it goes wrong. You know, if I, if I listen to somebody else and say, or you go, you go and sign with them because they're giving you an extra 50 quid a week or whatever, and it doesn't work out, you know, oh, I shouldn't have listened to you, and you, you end up, you don't want to go down that route. So I always, always end up making my own decision. I've heard, we've heard stories of guys on before, like maybe 16, 17 YTS, and then getting told, right, you're, you're not getting a contract. Was there much help and support given from the clubs in terms of, like, aftercare or anything like that, or is it just a case of, see you later? Nah, up here in Scotland, we're, we're pretty bad for that. You know, it's getting better in terms of the... They have days at Hamden where you can get up and you, you meet businesses and you meet people for colleges and things like that. And they'll try to help you in terms of the, the college courses and, and having something after football. Um, but most players... There's, there's very few players who want to do something other than football at this present time in terms of getting college courses or, or doing something else. Um, but no, in terms of clubs, when I was released from, say, Albion Rollers, there wasn't an aftercare at United. It was just, you know, that's why we need to go part-time because half the staff's losing their jobs. The full-time players are going part-time. You know, it's, it's bigger. Sometimes it's bigger than, you know, the kids or the YTS group. Yeah. So what was it like then when you were first breaking through it, playing at Stenhouse Muir? was. So I played with David Templeton, who... Okay, right, yeah. Got his move. He was in the same under-19s team. Uh, you know, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Broke into the first team. And it was clubs always up watching him. And I think that gave everybody else at the club a wee, wee boost in terms of, you know, what can be done, you know, you can break in. And I think it was maybe a, a year later. The last half a dozen games of the season. And I um, think it was John John Coughlin. Um Said, come along to the you know first team game on Saturday, bring your boots and stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, we'll see. You know, arms. I get, come on as a sub. And then the following week, with a Friday night game for the under 19s, and he says, go go along to the your under 19s game, but don't you don't play. And I was like, all right. So ended up going along, and I think we had two players injured or something like that. I ended up playing the 90 minutes, not thinking anything of it thinking, I'll be on the bench the next day. Turned up, read the team out, I was starting, I was starting <laughs> against And he goes back to me, he goes, did you, did 
did you go and watch the 19s last night? It was a good, good result. And I was like, <laughs> I, I ended up playing 90 minutes. And he's like, oh, you're just sweating, scratching. <laughs> I've, just, I've just named you in the start. I said, I'll be fine, you know. How hard can it be? I was 19, you know, just want to play games of football. Um, and I ended up playing the next two or three games. And it was the last game of the season I went to Elgin. I scored a hat-trick. Um, beat Elgin 5-1, I think it was. And they pulled me in after the game and basically said, look, I'm putting you on a, another contract. You'll be with the first team squad next season. And, and it was it was a great feeling. It was brilliant. Really, really good. Good place to be at then. Oh, it was brilliant. That, uh, that year, we ended up, we get promoted through the playoffs. Um, beat Cowden Beef and penalties. Uh, it was just, it was a great feeling. You know, me personally, for Stenish Muir, as a club as well, because it was, it was a couple of the younger ones that broke through the under-19s into the first team. Um, so they go. At, I think the fans, were, you know, they took to us a bit better because it, we were kids and we come right through the, the goof setup. So that was good. You well looked after by the seniors, or was it was that kind of time still whereby you'd be doing everything for them? Nah, the boots and that. I wasn't. It wasn't like that. It's the issue it was. They didn't have the youth running about. They did a couple of kit men there. Uh, big gym was was great with the boys in terms of looking after us with, with training kit and stuff. I travelled up way. Uh, Wally Lyle, who's at Talbot. Right, okay. South is your Glen's manager. Honestly, they, they two have got, they don't drive on a Saturday. Honestly, I don't I think their missus took the motors off them or something because I drove every single Saturday. <laughs> and so they two were both right backs. So see the way home, if one of them played and one of them never. <laughs> um, <laughs> how am I, I not playing? How are you playing? I eventually John got both of them in the team, but one played left back for a while. Um, and one played right back, but they were, they were great with me to be fair. Um, you know, the arm around the shoulder when I was maybe dropped, you know, I was I was in and out. Um, it's then me the first year. Um, I, I just thought I wanted to play every game. I think it, looking back and you, you realize you're just a kid, you, there's times where you need to play, and there's times where they take you out the firing line. Um, so no, they were they were great with me to be fair. I was reading earlier, it was like memories from a, a Stenhouse Muir fan. It was, see if you remember this. You're talking about maybe games and no playing much midweek in the the, youth, the juniors and that stuff. stuff. But this one was a game against, I think it was Peterhead. You scored, I think it was about five games to go. You scored after three minutes and then held on. Yeah. Remember it? That was, we, that was the goal that kept us up, right? And then and that was our second year. And... I can remember it. Ball get put up. Scott Dales flicks it on again. One of one the keeper. Love the keeper score. Early doors and it backs against the walls and we, eventually it was a goal that kept us up. So with the conversation with John, he brought me in. He's like, "Look, you're not going to play much next year. We're bringing in. We need to freshen it up. Um, you're getting released, basically. And, you know, that was a hard one to take because I thought, you know, I'll be fine next year. We'll add to the squad. Just stayed up." Um, you know, we've been promoted, stayed up in the league, we build on that. I'm getting more game time, I'm getting more minutes under my belt. Um, I'll kick on next year. And, you know, and see that time as well. There was like, Area United was interested in me and Dunfermline, and they'd contacted the club in the January. Um, and John's like, no, we can't afford to let you go just now. Um, and I, I stayed where I was. To be fair, I, I had a decision to make then if they were full time, but the club basically said, look, there's no money up, they're not paying any money for you. They're just they're coming looking at you, they're interested. And I thought at least I would have got a contract to it, so mm-hmm. that was a 
a really hard one to take when I get released for them. And then obviously you moved then back to Albion Rovers. Aye, oh, Paul Paul Martin, <laughs> very persistent. Uh, one of the best managers I've worked under in terms of his uh, man management, his motivation, having a laugh and a joke. He he was he was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant for me personally. Um, turned up to one of my construction sites and we form and just said sign it. He says you want to enjoy your football, sign that form. And I, I couldn't say no. And it was, it was it was the best couple of years in my football career. I think you know, in terms of enjoyment. The first year I played, I started forty three games or forty four games or whatever it was. Started every game for him, uh, and I just loved it. I loved that year. Is it strange going back again after you've been away? Is it strange going back to a club after being away for a while? A wee bit, a wee bit. The, the chairman there, Frank Mead, um, he said. I thought we'd, we're past with cross again, and it was him who made the decision to, to you know, close the full-time football at that time, which meant I was out of a job. And it was one bus journey, I think, we're coming home for Elgin. Uh, both of us had a few glasses of wine or beers or whatever it was, just sitting having a chat about it. And Frank was, was brilliant. You know, he, he told me his reasonings, which he, never, which he never had to do. You know, he, he didn't have to get into the decks of how, how badly the club was. You know, it was on a knife edge in terms of, they were just going to lock the gates and... And now we always wouldn't have been a football club anymore. Yeah, I kind of remember that when all that happened. Was that all the time like they were in the papers about they were turning off the electricity and all that kind of thing? Yeah, I yeah. remember. Yeah, horrendous, horrendous. And it, uh, I mean, he, him, we Robert, they put in a lot of their money to, to keep that club afloat. Um, so uh, it, was, it was a wee bit strange at first, but Paul, Paul and Todd and the boys that they had brought in and the boys were still there like Kieran Donnelly and boys like that it was it was brilliant it was a great time and again the club wasn't paying big money you know it was all about you know the make sure that the training was good you know they had good training kit they good facilities to train at even though the, the pitch wasn't great or whatever but it was ours and they, they kind of they drilled that into us in terms of what we had that was that was ours and we had to basically just get on with it you know there wasn't any it was no silver spoon treatment for any of your superstars. It was all just muck in and got on with it. And it was good. It was great. And then you mentioned as well, being it, when you were at Stenhouse Mood, obviously you had the playoffs and then you had a fair bit of success in playoffs at Albion Overs. Um, yeah. Especially your heart check against that in the first leg. Aye. No, I, 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 was, a, I was a fairy tale ending to that season. Um, we were just, everybody written us off kind of thing. Um, and then to get into the playoffs, I think one fourth position or whatever it was and I it was just it was a fairy tale. It was a fairy tale and to score the hat trick as well. Um with all my family there, my brother, my missus, even my grand and papa was there at the time. No, it was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But some nervous times in the second leg, but when Aaron <sighs> Bar throwing everything at you in the second half. Kieran Kieran Donnelly scores for a corner. I think Steve Cannon put it right in his head. I think I put his three goals up in the aggregate and we're thinking Phew got this, you know, we, we kind of get beat for here, and uh, I think Annan scored, Gofrillin scored twice, I think, and he gets through one and one with Derek Gaston, and Derek Gaston saves it, I don't know how he gets down yet, he saves it, um, and at that point I just thought, you know, the range are all for us today, we're going to, we're going to do this, you know, it was maybe about five minutes to go when that happened, but I was nervous, really, really nervous. Because I was watching the highlights on YouTube earlier, and even then after that, I think Aaron Athletic had a free kick with the last kick of the ball. Last kick of the ball, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. 
the celebrations after that game, you know, it's mental. Mental. Did you just go local then? Go in Cobridge or that, or where did you go out? Cobridge, the Georgian Hotel. The, the chairman, Frank, put his, uh, I think he put his bank card or his credit card behind the bar. <laughs> 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 That's dangerous. Like, Brave man. I was like, no bottles of champagne, no bottles of red wine, no shots, no this, no that. But <laughs> that didn't happen, you know, it was just a free-for-all. Um, I can't remember what the total bill came to, but I was... We're in there for ages. I can't ever get a walk out. It was just, it was just amazing. Um, some of the stories for the next day, like boys don't remember getting home. You know, it's just, it's just mental. How long were you out? How long, how long were you out? A few days or just a... Uh, I, I went home the next morning, I'm sure. I'm sure my missus came picking up the next morning. Um, I had a college assessment due <laughs> Monday or Tuesday. And we had a, we had a play the year dance. And I phoned Paul Martin and I was like, I can't come up for this. I said, I've been out, you know, since we won the playoff. I need to do this report. He's like, can you not come through? You've won one of the awards. I was like, I can't. So I never made it to the actual play year, but obviously come Monday or Tuesday night they made it. And some of the boys went and weren't even drinking because they were, they were still rough for the weekend. Oh, still rough. Uh, yeah, you had a life at part time football. You've got to get your essay in for college. <laughs> frightening. Absolute frightening. Uh, see, the, the thing that I'll be knows like you. I think all we know with tracksuits on and things like that. I don't think it's a clue. And it was there's one weekend we went out we, we just had tracksuits. We just abandoned the cars up at, up at Clifton Hill after we got a, a win. And I remember being one of the main clubs and I'll be no tracksuit on and four of the fans. You know, and it was just bizarre. You know, that that was that was the kind of relationship you had with, with the fans when you're seeing you're playing part time. Uh, certainly some of them. Some of them can be the opposite and uh, you know, you don't really get on them, but in terms of Albion Wolves fans, you know, they, they really took to me and, you know, end up nights out with them after games and things like that just because you had a few pints in them, probably. Aye, that's the good thing about part-time football, Alex. When I try and say to other boys in the podcast, I've been out with the Talbot players after them winning the Junior Cup final or beating air and stuff like that and you're just chatting away to them quite a thing. You, you don't get that so much at the seniors. If you ever tried to mm. speak to a senior, remember years ago meeting Billy Dodds and Joe Miller at the, the Tunnel Nightclub, maybe shows my age, I think. Um, <laughs> And chatting away to them, to be fair, I'd probably had a few drinks, but they were just dead dismissive of you. Like, just wanted to chat yeah. away to them and didn't realise they're your heroes kind of thing. Whereas... No, it is, it's, it's, uh, there's a bigger, bigger distance between, you know, certainly fans and the, the top league and the players, I think. Unless unless you know them personally, you'll never get that relationship at that level. Uh, you just say, you know, after Scottish Cup final wins and the full villages out and... Players are ending up at people's houses and things like that with the cup, and uh, that's you don't you won't get that at senior football. Aye, but it, Beachwood's not far from where I stay, and in terms I can still hear folk in the maybe the Wednesday after a junior cup final, the <laughs> outside out and the celebrating and that. So I it's crazy time. So when you went up, what was the expectations? Was it just avoid the job, or did you think you could do more? No, we went up and. I think most of the players had to sign the exact same contract, so there wasn't any, you know, more money in terms of players getting a bigger budget, a bigger wage. Um, they brought in three or four, but it wasn't like, you know, there were great players that was going, you know, going then challenging the, the division above, you know, there were, there were good players, don't get wrong, but it wasn't enough, I, I don't think, in terms of us even mounting a challenge to, to do anything that year. So it was just, let's just stay up, um, and again, I've been right out of the playoffs in the, in the last game of the, the season. It was, uh, it, it, I, it was a nervous game. Yeah, 
So we down to Stranor on the, the Wednesday night, I think it was, and we could beat the week two and Um I, I think I come on at half time or something like that, but it was you know that we after that game it was just we were dead down and just fell out it. Um I think Paul Martin had a uh, kind of did he take his bowling or something. He took his bowling or went you know, went for some tea instead of training, you know, he's like, Look, hard season, you know, it's just He's just done something a bit different, I think, uh, and it worked for us. You know, we went on Saturday, John Gemmell was suspended, uh, me, Larry, and Larry Aqua and Scott Chaplin, I played, started up front, um, and we just battered them for the first, whatever it was, half hour, 20 minutes. Um, we were 3-0 up, they scored 3-1, and it went to penalties. So, obviously, we'll come on to the rest of your career, but see, looking back, do you reckon that was maybe the kind of best time of your career playing with them? Aye. I think so. I think I was I was more I think it was committed to off the park as well. So we we used to train I think twice a week and I, I used to do an all night myself in the gym or whatever and I felt felt really fit. Um it was injury free for a lot of it as well, which which helped. Um Stenhouse Muir had a bad injury where I snapped all my ankle ligaments playing against scoring against St Johnson and it was it took me a while to come back for that at Stenhouse Muir. I don't know if that handled me there, but still, I'll be know I was, I was more injury-free. I felt great. The environment was good in terms of the, the players that was there. Um, see Paul Martin, Todd. It was just a, it was a great time in my, my career. Would you say, like, um, when you're in a good place, that makes you more injury-free? Whereas if you're in a bad place, say, um, you're struggling to get goals, you're maybe over-committing yourself. And that can sometimes yeah. cause more injuries. Yeah, you, you, you certainly try harder. I, I feel, mm-hmm. you know, when you join a new club and you don't score for a few weeks, you put more pressure on yourself. You're doing, you're doing the wrong things. You're, you're overcommitting to things. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a mental aspect to that as well in terms of putting a lot of pressure on yourself. You, you do your work yourself up, but at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're playing football. You know, you're meant to go and enjoy it. So yeah. find a find a club that you can go and enjoy your football at. And that's what I've been feeling into coaching when I've had to speak to players, you know, I'm I'm explaining that to them. You know, I've, I've been there, I've, I've owned the T-shirt, I've went to clubs for an extra £30 a week, you know, that's not the right thing to do. Mm. You know, find your, you find your happy place, you find your environment, because it'll bring the best out of you as a player as well. Is it not quite a difficult thing to win the part-time leagues because you're maybe playing from year's contract to year's contract, that if you are maybe getting offered a wee bit extra money, then it's the same in any job. You're you're always tempted to take it, aren't you? You're always you're always tempted. There's always a temptation there, and at the end of the day, cash is king for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people don't earn good money away from football, so this is another earner for them. It's another wage, it's another salary, or whatever. So you can see why. You know, thirty, forty quid a week over the course of a season is a lot of money. And then obviously, you moved on to the draw. You went like you went down a league. Obviously, was that? It turned, it turned out it didn't happen because Rangers ended up going into the third division. So yeah. the conversation I had, Paul Martin was leaving Albion Rovers um, due to health issues. And Todd Lumsden was taking the team and it was why overhaul the full squad. And uh, it just, I, I don't know, it didn't feel right with Paul not being there. Uh, um, I, don't, I don't know why. Something just didn't feel right. And when I spoke to Strunar, they said, look, we... We were maybe two or three players short of going and winning that league. And I thought, well, you know, 
I've got a real chance. I've done the playoffs, you know, I've won the playoffs. A real chance of going and winning a league, you know, that's something I wanted to do. Um, and I signed with him, and within four weeks of signing, we'd been promoted because Rangers get relegated. That's right, aye. It's a real, it was a strange one. So, you go for having a, a team who you think can challenge in the third division, or the, the bottom division, to then a league up, with no extra budget, with, no, with nothing, you know, and the team is already set out to, to go and challenge in that, that league, so we ended up. I think we survived in the last day of the season against against both teams. Ten years for you, just the other one season. It's not. Yeah. So you yeah. kind of missed out and getting to play Rangers and stuff as well. Yeah. So when the manager gets sacked, it's not after ten games, and Steve Bate can get the job. He was assistant. He yeah. Yep. On um, whatever reason, I just didn't play as much. Um, under him um, and then Faz come in at, just after Christmas to be fair to Faz Faz kind of turned that season around for, for Snodder it was just a new set of eyes he's new training you know I think he just gave the club a, a bit of lift when he needed it because we were you know, down the bottom of the league and we got a bit of an injection for him um, and it was, it was we ended up finishing the, the season thinking you know we're, we're just survive with skinny teeth. Rangers come up next year, it's a, it's a chance. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, they wanted to take the club in a different route. I was probably not enjoying my football. You know, I was travelling down there, maybe I only get 20 minutes and Schnauzer's not just round the corner. You know, it's a full day out on a Saturday. Um, a nice journey, is it? <laughs> no, and, and the, the, the road down as well wasn't, wasn't great. But Schnauzer's Schnauz a club. You know, I love my time there. The people down there were great. You know, I, I was fully committed in terms of nights out I mean I was doing this now for weekends and things like that you know it's a brilliant, brilliant place um, used to get the train back up on the Sunday and things it was great and I, I you know I still I still enjoy going down my brother's down there playing I'll, I'll go down and you know I still speak to the committee and I don't know I just had a real love in which not the, the year I was there even the, the people that worked in the social club and things like that it was brilliant brilliant wee club and then how did they move so how did you then decide that you were going to move to the juniors, or did you think? So, as I say, you know, I've came through from labouring to, you know, apprenticeship and construction management now. And at that time, you know, I'd have been 24, probably, yeah, probably 24, 25. And my work, my work was taking, taking loads of my time, you know, where, where I used to be able to leave at half two or three o'clock to get away. I was having to be the last one off site or, you know, if you ne- never done a supervisor to lock up or something you could trust, and that that was more important to me. Time to make sure my work was was you know the be, be all and end all. But I still needed my release. I still needed my football. Um, and I was I was going to sign with with Ocean Lake. Well, I would basically say, don't sign anything. Tucker wants to speak to you. Um, and then it just felt right, you know, with my dad playing with Cumlock and stuff like that. That I went and signed signed with Cumlock and. To be fair, the first season was great. We won the Arda Cup. We we got to the quarters of the Scottish, got to the last stage of the West, I think, and I think we finished third or fourth in the league. You know, it was a it was a it was a successful first season. Um, I think if the club backed Brian, the second season, he'd have, you know, he'd have built on the season before. So I was it enjoyable then as well. The fact your dad had played there, he was such a hero. It was. It was good. The, the, the first season was the first season was brilliant. You know, I was scoring goals. I was, I was playing. I was 
doing really well. I, you know, I felt, I felt good. I felt he's a, he was, he was a club that was want to go places. You know, you know the history there. Um, there was always a talk of the, the new pitch, new floodlights, which it all sounded, you know, really exciting. Um, you know, the whole enterprise up there, and they've, they've got a great backing in terms of their, their support. I know a lot of them's not going as much now, or certainly before lockdown. Yeah. You know, because the team isn't as successful, but it's still a massive club in terms of uh, the juniors. Oh, and they've got a great setup as well, and you even need to look at the, the club they've got, the actual yeah. social club in that. And social club. The fact Brilliant. it's what, one of the few places you can watch the, the football from hospitality as well, at that level Absolutely. as well, like even things like that. They, I used to get like my, my uncle, my dad and all that, you know, hospitality packages down there, and they loved it. They loved it. It's, uh, it's one, of the, one of the real... Gems a junior football, brilliant. And then obviously second season didn't work out quite as well. How did that? So did then Will Lyle as well say to you again, talk us interested in that or what was the situation? So uh, David Gormley was meant to sing for Clyde, I think, in the summer. So I had signed a two-year contract with Cornwall, and we thought the deal might have went through in the summer. And then I think it was Christmas time. Um, I just I I could come back for a hamstring injury uh, just after Christmas and the deal David Gormley Clyde was meant to be done I think it was Barry Ferguson was there and I was meant to go to uh, Auchinleck you know apparently everything was done they agreed a fee everything was set in stone and then I agreed to play against Clenafton for Cumnock I think we were just after New Year or something like that up there and we went up and won 3-0 3-0 and I scored two and John McCune's like we can't how do we how do we go and replace you know Robert Love he goes to Auckland Lake sorry yeah. you know Auckland Lake is getting Robert Love but who, who are we going to get in so I think the club club turned it down um, and and then it just you know get put in the back burner I, I just went about the rest of the season the best I could uh, which didn't, didn't really work out Um come and get relegated. And then it, it was a hard decision because it, I felt as if, you know, I was walking away from a relegated team and going to their rivals. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that, you know, that was, that's, I never wanted it to happen like that. I wanted it to happen. If, if I was going to do it, I wanted it to be in a bit better, you know, footing it. It just didn't feel right. But I had to do what was best for me in terms of, you know, well, the season speaks for itself. You know, we won everything apart for the, the Junior Cup final that season. Um, finished, I think it was second or third top goal scorer. You know, I had a real successful season working like. Um, so it was, it was fine. You know, that's what I wanted to do. Go and win trophies, go and be, be part of it. And it was great. Yeah, you did well as well, considering the, you never played it. You weren't playing every week. You were kind of out with that. But obviously, Talbot played that many games. You still got an all right amount of games, but you know, as much as you would have liked. It, it was something that, you know, I, I knew I knew it was going to take, you know, Graham Wilson is, for me, one of the best strikers at that, at that level. Um, I think everyone he, says that. You ask anyone, that's what they'll say. He's, he's, he's brilliant. He's dynamite. He's, he's, you know, he's got everything. Um, and then you've got Milky was there and, and Shankers was there. Um, so there was a the kind of four days. Um, and I, it's, I was just, you, you know what you're getting. You're only playing every week. I was frustrating. I played in games where I, I done really well. You know, the, the sponsorship money match and things like that after the games and he felt 
you know, you're, you're maybe winning that and then the following week you were dropped or only get 10 minutes and it was just frustrating being in and out. And I needed, I needed my football. My football is my release. You know, on a Saturday, I need to be playing football. I need to be at football. And I got to the end of the season and Tommy comes out of the house and we just a chat about it. You know, what do I want out of football? You know, is Auckland like the right fit for me at that time? And um, I left no, no hard feelings. You know, it was just one of the decisions. I had another year left in my contract there. Um, and I just, yeah, I w- walked away from it. Um, so I, it, was, it was a difficult decision. Especially when I was so successful, and I was—I wasn't in terms of the boys and that. It was fine. It was just I wanted to play more games. I think I remember talking to you about around about that time because you were my old job. You were after a new phone, and we ended up chatting. I remember. Yeah. You just said it was just one of the things. At least you had an honest chat. He's no like giving folks promises and like that. You know where you stand. No, not over to, it. Me, most of the time, you know, you know where you stand with him. You know, you pick up the phone and they have a chat with him. He's 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 good that way. What would you say makes him such a good manager? He sees things differently for other people. You know, in terms of even my own situation, in terms of I thought I deserved to get more game time. He's seen it differently. He's he's a success. You know, yeah. he's a management. I'm what? You know, so seeing that, but he trusts, he trusts certain people to do certain jobs for him. Um, and that only comes with experience and probably made mistakes in games where he started people he shouldn't have and big games where he's maybe played a certain way he shouldn't have or whatever but he's 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 the experience. You know, you have to you have to trust he's making the right decision for the team and not, not for Robert Love. And I, I've only realised that recently when I've went into a more coaching role or you, when you're speaking about players or bringing in players. Um it's not it's not for the good that just the player it's about, you know, the wider, you know, it's the team, it's a it's a club and, and the group of players you've got there. So but that part of you, I would say, that makes him unique. He, he sees it a lot better than, than other managers. Aye, because you mentioned earlier about the likes of Milky and that. He said he's asking for you, by the way, because I was doing a wee bit of digging for, about you. Right. Um, he, he used to get a fair bit of stick about why he was playing every week and all that, but Tucker always knew he could rely on him. He's Milky. Milky. You know what you're getting with Milky in terms of his work rate, his energy. Scored important goals as well for, for them, so... Nah, he was he was great for Rockingham Lake, absolutely. Brilliant. You scored some good goals that season as well. He scored a couple in the even times cup. Well, I was in my last game for for Rockingham Lake. I think we played a player of the year uh, do that night. Um, I thought you know when I start when I played you know either contributed with some goals or assists, even coming off the bench. I come off the bench in the the Huddersfield game at home. We were four two down or three two down and. I think Neil is linked up the right and score to equalise and thinking, you know, I've made an impact. You know, that's all I wanted to do is make an impact when I could to, to get a chance. And I, you know, I, I, listen, it was a good time. Um, just unfortunately, I never played more. Aye. So I was asking a few of the guys if there was any funny stories from your time at uh, Talbot. And uh, they all came up with the same story. So on the way back from a Scottish Cup tie, a wee trip into Asda. Aye. You, you decided to buy something alternative to the carry out. Aye. No. I was stitched up a wee bit, so, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the we've got the initiation. Every club, you know, first away trip, karaoke in the bus, or changing room or whatever it is. So we're up in Aberdeen, the senior Scottish, stayed the night before, um, and we, we won. I think we won four nil or whatever. So the bus back down the road, we stopped in for the karaoke, and I think it was Whitey. He's like, your initiation, do I dress up? Kind of thing. And I, I was like, well, he seems like quite quiet as well. 
very quiet, and he's pulled out this Iron Man suit. <laughs> it was a, it was like a fourteen-year-old boys. <laughs> they, they said it was an eight-nine-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and I squeezed, squeezed into it, and uh, I went on and sang my my usual twist and shout, and I said, "I brilliant, no, that's that's what you miss. You miss all that for the football." See, as long as you don't take yourself out too serious when you're doing these things, uh, you'll enjoy it. you enjoy it. It's great. They were all saying such, it was a, a great laugh and how, how good a guy you are as well. So, aye. So, following on from that, you moved on to, I'm trying to remember, Largs? We down, down with Arnie to Largs. Um, the team your dad played with? He played with him as well, aye. He was, he was down there later in his career. Um, that was one of the reasons I went down as well. You know, he said it was a good club. You were well looked after, which you know we were. Um, I think Slaven was a manager actually. He he left. He handed in his notice and resigned. Um, and then Arnie took over, but it was a real struggle that season. I, I don't know. I, I think leaving Ockham Lake and then going to going to Lags, I, I wasn't the best place myself. I wasn't training as much. I just I don't know. I feel. That's when I really fell out of love with the game, but it wasn't anything to do with the club or or Arnie or anything like. Because he's by the way, he's, he's a brilliant manager. He's going to he'll go go places. Really, really good guy. Um, I don't know. I think it was personally I, it was in a, in a, in a bad place at the time in terms of just being there. Training just felt like forty minutes to get to training, forty minutes back up the road after training. I don't know. I just I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much as what I thought I was going to enjoy it. It would take a lot out of you, all that. I think that's what a lot of people don't realise, you know, the training side of it, and finishing training and getting home, especially if it's 40 minutes each way after yeah. doing, like, training. That must and have been brutal. You try to switch off for that as well, and you've, yeah. got, your, you've got your day job, and you're, you're up half five in the morning for your day job. Or, mm. or I, it just it, it took its toll on me. Um Mentally and physically, I just didn't really enjoy it. Um, I wasn't looking after myself off the pitch in terms of doing any anything extra. So all I was getting was my, my training, and I I've always needed to do more in terms of you know being the fittest, being the sharpest. That's that's a big part of my game. I'm not the, the biggest player, I'm not not the most physical, so I always had to be a bit quicker, a little bit sharper. I just I think I just I let I let myself down as well. You know, I don't I didn't feel as if I. I Contributed enough that season. Could you see it coming? Could you like, as the season was going on, could you feel it more and more that like you just weren't the same player as you were maybe a couple of seasons ago with the guys I, that you love? There was it was there was there was spells there was spells during the season though. I think we beat beat in penalties in the, the West. Like we, we had some games where you could you know if I felt good. I felt as if I was contributing. Um, but there was other times where it was like I played right wing or something like that and I was you know I was getting a bit slower I wasn't as physically fit to, to do that goal you know it wore under the cosh a lot so all, I felt as if all I was doing was running about on a Saturday you know I wasn't enjoying mm-hmm. the side of it um, and I I'd, I wouldn't say I'd seen it coming because I just left Auckland Lake where we'd won loads of trophies and I felt really good to that and maybe that's something Tucker seen that, that my, you know my personal life my work life because he did say to me one night I come down to training and he's like, look, he's still in my, still in my work clothes, no straight for work, no getting a chance to go home and get empty and get straight out of training. And training's really high and intense. Um, and I remember having a couple of conversations with him. So maybe he maybe he's seen it come. 
And then at that point, did you question whether to still continue playing? I, I absolutely, absolutely. I was, I think it was on a project that was running, running behind. So we're doing six or six or seven days a week in terms of you know working on site. Um, so I was going for come on to the project time, well, other end of Glasgow, um, in a Saturday morning, for instance, and then doing maybe three, four hours, leaving there, into my football, and then checking in with the, with the, you know, after my game, you know, everything okay inside, it didn't happen, what did he know? Uh, so it does just, it take, takes its toll on you, and I, I, you know, for a while, I thought, you know, I'll just go and get the golf clubs out and do something else, you know. Something else on a Saturday. It does, it plays your mind that you go maybe go watch Kamarnock or something like that. And then you went to the amateurs? Went to the amateurs for a season. Hurlford, um, they were great with me. Um, they knew my circumstances with, with working, you know, long hours and stuff. Trained probably once a week or whatever. Um, it was fine. It was fine. It was what I needed just to get back, enjoy my football and scoring goals. I think almost every week I was seeing you were scoring doubles, trebles, oh, trebles, hard tricks. Aye. No darts. <laughs> no, <laughs> Aye. Yeah. Almost every weekend, that's what you've seen. Yeah, no, it was it was great. It was great. It was um for me personally just to, to go there and play games of football and, and score goals. That's I just needed that. I needed that at that time in my career it was it, it was a good fit for me. Yeah. I imagine as well as confidence as well for yourself. Especially if you've had that bad time scoring goals and getting in the knack of scoring goals again. I would yeah. imagine it gives you great confidence. It was, it was, you, every week you were just going, you're thinking, I'm, I'm going to go and score today, and that's, as a striker, as a forward thinking player, you, having that confidence and that belief in a Saturday is massive. Mm. So, obviously you had your other clubs, but we don't turn touch on them as much, but what's made you move into coaching? Did it come out of the blue, or was it just... So, as we touched on earlier, she coming out of lockdown, right? So, even during lockdown, when I was talking to other players and texting my mates in football and things like that, you know, you get a real, you miss, you miss the football. You, you're saying it as well. You miss it as, as supporters. Even even playing, you, you're missing it. And what I miss is, is actually playing football. And when Matt phoned me and said, look, we've got a chance here of taking on this manager and assistant manager role and bank, um, it's a blank canvas. They're not expecting any of us. Um, do you fancy it? And I said, well, I'm only doing it if we we agree on our philosophy in terms of what we want to do. And we want to we want to get boys enjoying the environment that they're in. We want to make sure that they're enjoying their football. Um, and if they're enjoying it, we'll enjoy it. I know it's it, when you get higher up the league, it's all about results. It's results business. Everybody knows that. But at our, our level, sometimes it's more about just giving the players an environment to go and play their football and enjoy it. And having that, that bit of banner. So when I had the chance to actually to go and implement that for myself personally, because I'm obviously still going to have the dual role of playing, if I'm putting sessions on that I'm enjoying, the players will enjoy it as well. Yeah. And so we've been honest with them. We've, we've told them that. We've, we've asked them to away for football, try and get a, a, a core fitness level for themselves. So it's when they're at football, we're just giving them football. You know, we're, we're making them work hard in terms of being on the ball. You know, high intensity training, but it's not. It's not. Pre-season is old, you know, where we're taking them down Irving Beach and we're running them on the sand or we're running them up hills. It's, I don't believe that's a, that's the right environment I want to create just now. It's, it's more about coming out of lockdown, you haven't played football in 14, 16 weeks, whatever it is. Let's, let's get the balls out, let's get you enjoying your football and, and create a real, a real environment that they want to be part of. 
So was management something that you've thought about getting into for a while, or is there anyone that's particularly influenced you? That was a question we had from someone. I can get someone you Jordan, know. Oh, Jordan, Jordan Hardy. Uh, I want to say there's been one specific manager, um, Paul Martin. Paul Martin's probably the one, but I've picked wee bits up for everybody. Um, there's also managers standing there on a Saturday, or you're playing on a Saturday, and you hear some of the shouts, some coaches, or you hear, you hear things and you're going, miles off. You know, you just, you think, how are they coaching that? You know, they, and it sounds, it sounds bad, but there is people out there that I, I believe are, are giving the wrong directions to players, are, are putting the wrong points across, but, and I felt as if I, I could give something. You know, I've been involved in football for, for 13, 14. I've learned off of loads of different coaches. Um, and having Matt there, who has got a wealth of knowledge in football, he's, his networking is great. The way we plan sessions together in terms of what we want to work on within that session, how we get the boys to move into a new intensity, you know, a, a transition and play, learning all that stuff off of, off of him and, and other managers is why I want to do it, you know, I like doing it, I like being involved in that side of the game, um, I like being involved in management, you know, full stop, it's something I've, I've ended up, you know, doing in my, my construction career, so it, I just, I want, I want to try it, I want to try it, especially when I'm still playing, um, just so that if I want to do this, you know, once I stop playing, that know it's the right fit for me, um, so no, that's, that's kind of why, why I've done it, but I wouldn't say there's one specific manager that's, that's made me want to do it. Yeah, I've certainly goals for management. Yeah, would you like to move up the likes in that with management, maybe? Or I said, I, I, obviously, you're only starting out, so it's a bit. Aye, I would, I would, love, the I would love the opportunity to go and go and manage as high, high as we could. It's, yeah, you, you would love to do that. I mean, it's, when you look at other clubs and other, you know, what they've got in terms of take, take when I was senior, for instance, you would have sports science. Just, you would be working closely with them in terms of distance covered for training, um, all that sort of thing. That all interests me, you know, all that stuff. It's stuff that I've, I love. Um, I brought some some uh, resistance bands and that into to our warm-ups and things, but us as a club can't afford to go and get, you know, GPS bands or, or, or the, the weighted vests or, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, so like double. <laughs> there's, there's loads of clubs using them. and. Oh, they're great, you know, in terms of being able to see what players are covering what distance of training and games. Um, I love I love the stats, you know, the Opta stats for, for, for games. I like it as well. <laughs> they're, they're brilliant, they're brilliant. And I think they, they're talking about the, the, the running distance have now been 2K down on average in the games. And that's that's to do with the fans not being there, you know, the intensity of the games is, is not the same. I think you've came to the right podcast anyway with regards to football management. I mean, John there's obviously won the league with Aberdeen football manager, so he can obviously pass on his experience aye, and many knowledge. He keeps on messaging me saying he's always another end of the phone if I need him for any tactics. <laughs> we'll get there, aye. aye. Uh, don't get me on nutrition, though. I'm not on nutrition. So, aye, anytime we have a guest on, we always ask, best at living are players that you've played with in your career? I think I can answer that until I finish playing, you know, that Hopefully I'll get three, four years left playing it. Up to I, now then. We've asked for that's still playing as well. So <sighs> you're not getting out of it. <laughs> uh, keeper. Big Andy Leishman is obviously great. 
um, David Mitchell. You know, at, at Clyde, he was just enough, and I was here. What, what a talented goalkeeper he is! I, I can't believe he's not not playing full time. Same with Gandhi. You know, trying to choose out of two for for a goalie. Uh, right back, probably to go Wally Lyle just because how successful he was when he was at Stenish Muir. Now, now at now at Talbot. I make his head big. He's a big guy. At least nose. Left back. Gordon Pope's been a, been about um, you know Metro's Dundee United. Um, he, he's a he's a real, real talent as well. Um, centre backs. Kieran Donnelly, but uh, he was for me one of the best captains when I when I played with, with Albion Wolves. Uh, he was a, a real standout. Another one that was a standout was, was big Frank McEwen as well. Shunar, um, brilliant, brilliant to play with. Uh, Cross the I don't. Jose Getongo, Stenhouse Muir, winger. Getongo, aye. Oh, Jose, yeah. Ability, ability, keep, keep a, a ball for fun, honestly. What, what a talent. Um, Senator Mad- as well, I'd imagine. A character, brilliant character. Uh, Stevie, Stevie Ferguson, Midlay Park. Um, either Ryan McStay or Tony Stevenson as well. They were... Unbelievable, unbelievable ability. Um, Tony Stevens, I think, scored Hamilton's first goal in the, the, the SPL when he got promoted. He was a he was a brilliant talent. Um, he was probably big John Gemmell. Um, I think the, the partnership we had at Albion Rovers was brilliant. You know, we just we just knew where each other was in terms of his flicks and taking in. He was great to play with. Um, another one. I got loaned out when I was at Air United to uh, Mayball, and there was a guy called Paul Kerr, um, striker. He was at Cumnock and Queenie South and teams like that. He was a brilliant striker for me to play along and learn off of. He, he was another really good talent. Minimum that. Minimum that. I think that's 10, I think. 10. Do you know you're uh, in 4-3-3? Aye, 4-3-3. Went with two strikers. And now third striker. Scott Scott DL, he scored some amount of goals for Stenhouse Muir. He was another one I enjoyed playing playing up with. Uh, you've got all the messages now from folk that you've left out, but you put me right on the spot. I I was half like it's usually good John, the other John that we usually have on. He usually asks folk, and sometimes we we give you a heads up, and sometimes we go we don't. But no, I decided not to give you the heads up. So uh, but I will move on. Um, so good to talk about your career. But obviously, we said we'd talk about the weekend arts and the stuff we usually talk about. I think we'll skip by the European stuff from last week because otherwise we'll be on for, for a good one one time. But basically, mm. obviously, as everyone knows, Rangers and Celtic get through. Aberdeen, unfortunately, never get through, and you did well. So the usual. Dis- disappointing. Disappointing. At least they get back further than come out last year, which was, was really disappointing. Uh, the Aberdeen game is frustrating. I watched it. Frustrating. I felt we could add a goal at them, especially it's their first competitive game. You're thinking, yeah. have, a, have a goal, but whether it's just maybe technically, you know what Portuguese teams are like, they'll keep the ball all day. So I'm led yeah. to believe, though, the last 20, 25 minutes, they gave it a good goal, but did. I felt we could have given it more of a goal, though. I just felt that we were maybe a wee bit too cautious. I've maybe made a couple of changes early, but I'm not as authentic because it does. He's had the success. So, a right, difficult one, but maybe next year, I think, with the new the three tiered system with the confidence and all that, again, and I think easier as well. 
potentially if you finish third in the league this year. Yeah. I think you only play in the playoff. So Aye, the new the, the coefficient's a bit better now, so yeah. So that might help. Uh, but we can say obviously you mentioned you're a Cali fan. What are you thinking of yeah. Cali so far this season? I, th- I think we've been unlucky in the games the games I've seen. Um I think uh, Hibs first first forty five against Hibs I, I I really worried. Um second forty five I thought we'd done enough to get a draw out of the game up there. Um and then the, the other games, you know, the the game we lost against Johnston, you know, pfft, that, I've never seen a team crumble like that, you know, for a while in terms of mistakes. You know, it's you know, it's not it's not nice to watch in terms of being one nil up and then you make two mistakes and you beat two one. You know, it was seven minutes to go. So I think generally been unlucky. I think the only game that we've, we've really struggled is forty five minutes against Hibs and then the, the game at Ibrox. So we, we just never never done anything really. You know, we just we sat in. We never never done the good things in terms of getting in people's faces and, and being being hard to, to play against. Kebab was doing well. Probably. I think the club need to look at getting him in a longer, longer term contract. He's been a real find for us. Um, and if we can get Rofi back to suspension and keep him fit as well, he's, a, he's another one that they, they linked up really well um, till the end of last season. So hopefully we can hopefully get him firing. And Burkey's been unbelievable again. Three things, 37 now, but he's about assists and he's just brilliant. He's been in the with the football. He's been better age. Mm-hmm. Aye. He set, up, he set up the goal in the weekend, didn't he? It was a cracking pass he, he placed in. That's it. No, a great one-two, you know, comes, comes and links up with, with power. I mean, that's a centre mid out there, you know, playing a one-two as well. He doesn't get the, the credit he deserves either in terms of his technical ability. Um, so, no, listen, we, we came through our hard spells, I think. We, we, the teams have played really, really difficult, you know. Up at Pitaudry, uh, McCrory scores a good goal. Um, but it's... To be fair to Kamala, they games we don't expect to take any points from. And that's just where Kamala's at. You know, we need to be picking up points. No disrespect to your Hamilton's and, and St Martin's and teams like that. That's who we should be picking up points against. I think what we're seeing already, though, is I think there's not going to be much between the maybe the bottom eight teams, maybe, no. potentially. No, de- definitely not. Definitely not. It's, uh, it's St, St Martin, they've got decent players have recruited well. Um, Jim, Jim Goodwin's... Done, done a, a really good job there. They, I can't see them not picking up points either um, for the highlights of the weekend. I think they had the crossbar twice. So, no, they, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be decent. Oh, yeah, I think what they do lack, though, is a, strike, a good striker. Mm. They can get them double figures. But yeah. I know Jim Goodwin's been trying to get in mind. He was trying to get uh, Bio from Celtic and stuff like that. But I think it will be all right as well. But, uh, uh, Tony, your team Celtic at the weekend... Did you get yeah. actually, Did you get a chance to see the European European game when you were away? No, I no. never seen the European game. Sadly, um, there was no Wi-Fi or anything, so I was a wee bit um, out out of it. So I uh, couldn't download the game or find a decent channel to watch it. Shall we say? So yeah, I just kind of seen it on Twitter. Um, yeah, so I, I can't really comment about that. I never seen much of that. Um, the Hips game thought we played brilliant. Uh, I wouldn't go as fast as it was the best game under Lennon, but uh, first half hour, Hibs were decent. Hibs were really decent. They were still in at a 1-0. I think the second goal kind of killed them, to be honest. Once our second goal went in, I think their heads went down. Um, Tumble, when he came on, looked great. Frimpong, who had been shouted for the hills about for ages, started. He had a fantastic game as well. 
Um, we seem to be pressing teams again. We were pressing up the park, which was good. Uh, so I, oh no, I thought it was a really good performance. I think Celtic prefer playing the bigger games domestically. It brings them up a level. I, I, I sometimes think with Celtic, especially away from home, they struggle to break teams down, try and get that space. Um, they sometimes they'll try and go direct through the middle first of all, and then if that doesn't work, they'll try it in the wings, and then they try to do above both. And sometimes if you're a well-organised team, you can kind of suss Celtic out a wee bit. But when we're at home, and it's like a big game, and the, the opposition comes out, like with Hibston, Hibs were quite attacking, so left quite a bit of space um, in the back. So I, I, I thought we played well, but it helps when a team attacks Celtic. Surprised not to see Edwards start. Or oh, the spec there is... Maybe the speculation is more than just speculation about him being on the move. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I just find it weird because I'm led to believe he he never had a great game in the Thursday night for a while, um, and then he's obviously not played um, on the Sunday. Um, it may well be that they're just saying to him, "We've got the transfer window coming up. You may not. Your headspace may not be in the right place." take you out of it for a wee while and then bring you back in um, I think they would be mad to sell them I really do I, I just dread to think what the reaction would be if, if they sold Edward just in the simple fact that is like the main striker at the moment um, but on a plain side my concern is he doesn't seem to be wanting to play Edward and Ayeti together oh, it seems he's had, weird doesn't it because yeah. they look like a good partnership Aye, but he, for whatever reason, he doesn't want to do it. He'd rather play. Um, it was Elanusi and Sun, Sunday, um, or Christie, um, which I, I don't get. And that's something that I look at and I think, is he thinking Edward's going to go? But it's all. I'll be happy when this transfer window's finished with. If I'm being honest. I was it end of August or is it before that? Reminder, <sighs> not August. Sorry. October. I, I, October or something like that. It's I, this season. Yeah, because they extended to have the not. Aye, but because of the COVID and everything. It's a nightmare at the best of times. You want, you'd rather just the season starts and that's you. You know where you're going with. Mm. I, yeah. I was, I, I was a wee bit disappointed in the hips. As I said, the first half hour they were good, but then that's after the second goal they did kind of just the heads went down, um, and I thought they. You just don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, as Robert was saying, with Kilmarnock, you can go to Ibrox or Celtic Park with the best will in the world. But then, if things go against you, then you kind of struggle, you know. And then Christie picked up an injury, so I don't know whether I know he's been called in the Scotland squad today, but I don't know whether he'd be doubtful for the, the playoff match. Do you know what midfield? I'm not too worried about. I think we've got enough in midfield. Um, I, I think you could bring in. Um, the boy we got from Motherwell in, um, his name's Scase for the minute. Bring, bring Mentioned him, him Tumble. Tumble, aye. Yeah. I know, that's, you know what I'm like. <laughs> I mean, I picked teams without a goalkeeper. Aye, um, you did that either, <laughs> okay, aye. So, I mean, there's Tumble there to, to fill in, and uh, the Sorrow, um, he, he's a lad as well. He came on for the last couple of minutes, looked decent enough. Um, so, midfield wise, I'm, I'm not too worried about. Uh, 
Diete injury, I'm a wee bit concerned about because if he's out for a long period of time, do we go back to the one up front with um, Edward or are we going to go two up front with Edward and a midfielder again? So it's that one's more to happen and Edward back in, is it, Robert? No, it's certainly not. He's certainly been a focal point It's Celtic's team for a, a, a few years now. He's, he's a brilliant player to watch. Scores some amount of goals as well. We still got Clamalla there as well, who's is chipping in. Uh, we've spoken about my fair bit this season, saying that I don't know whether Lennon just doesn't rate him or, or what it is. He looks all right in it Yeah, it's a, it must be a trust thing with, with Lennon with him, but um, I think Forrest as well. Forrest picked up an injury at the weekend, so see. I think Frank Pong looked more suited to that right wing back role than, than mm-hmm. what you was. Oh, he definitely it's, is. That that's a problem he's gonna have because we are kinda heavy top with midfielders. Um so, and we've spoken about before that he, Lennon does tend to have favourites. And Forrest is great attacking Forrest is never gonna track back. Whereas Frimpong is young. He's got that energy, he attacks, he's got kind of no fear. Um, so I, I don't know how he's going to play it. And again, it is a good option to have. Um, I just wonder if he'll go back to a four at the back, um, if Ayeti's injured, or he'll stick with his 3-5-2. He seems to be quite adamant with the 3-5-2 at the minute. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Yeah, it does, isn't it? He seems to get Lee Griffiths back in the squad at the weekend for the first time. Be good to see him back, especially for the national point of view as well. I think Lee oh. Griffiths is great for everyone. Definitely, I, I'm a big fan of Lee Griffiths. I, I really like Lee Griffiths, and nothing would make me more happier to see him back and being it way was two seasons ago. You yeah. know, um, for me, he's, he's probably the best set piece taker that we've got at Celtic. Absolutely. Um, his corners are great. His free kicks are great. Um, he's finishing as well as out of the mall. Well, maybe Ayeti actually, but him and Ayeti would probably say are on the same path with regards to finishing. They don't mess around, they hit the first time, they like taking a shot. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have Griffiths come back. You'd like to think if he doesn't get a chance at Celtic, they'll at least maybe send him out on loan, give him a chance to get regular football. I, I think that is good as well. In the short term, if he's not going to get minutes there, it would be great to get him out somewhere on loan and get him again time. The only thing I think Celtic may be worried about is, obviously, there's a lot of things out of the pitch with uh, Griffiths, and I think they may be worried just kind of keep him at Celtic so they can just monitor everything and make sure everything's all right, because what you don't want to do is send him to somewhere and then out of sight, out of mind kind of thing, um, and something regresses or what have you, which we all hope wouldn't happen. So I think maybe from a Celtic point of view, they may think, well, we'll give it this season, see how things go, and then maybe if it's not breaking into the team, send them out on loan. But I would probably say for this season, they'll probably keep them close to home. Do you think it would be the ideal time as well just now to, to get them game time somewhere? Because the, all, all the senior players, or all the, the full-time players, all they can do is go to, go to training and then go home or go to games and then go home. You know, They shouldn't really be doing much more than that due to the the current pandemic, so you would think it would be an ideal time, but you're probably right, they probably want to keep, keep a watchful eye on them just now. I, I, I just said, I mean, I was looking at the forwards that are in the Scotland squad, and they're all good forwards, but I wouldn't say any of them as good as what Lee Griffiths is, so to get him back into a Scotland set-up would be, oh, 
a huge bonus, especially Touchwood. We qualify for Euro yeah. 21. Yeah. I, think it, I think as well, I think we've been crying out for, for two strikers, you know, like uh, Dykes and, and Griffiths or something like that. You know, a partnership like that could, could really work. I really enjoyed um, Taylor Ender last year with, with Edward and, and Griffiths. I thought they were they were great to watch. They were always they were, they were looking to link up as well. So no, I think it would be great to get them back. I definitely would. Um, the other side of Glasgow Rangers continue to impress domestically. You're thinking Sunday's a tricky game against Motherwell and they, they got through it pretty comfortably. Obviously the scoreline suggests it was comfortable, but even as well, just the game itself, I thought they were very impressive again. As hard as that is to say. <laughs> I, I, they, were, they were good for like start to finish, weren't they? I mean, I think in the first minute, Carson makes a cracking save um, from Morelis. I think it was, where he's just kind of hit around the post. Um, and then that was really it for like the first minute. Um, Motherwell were just getting caught out. Ken seemed to have like the whole park to himself at times. He was just passing crosses left, right and centre. And the difference Ken this year to the Ken last year for me is, is dramatic. He looks a totally different player for me. Last season I thought he was good, but his head would go down, he would lose the ball a lot, and he looked like he had a lot of pressure on his shoulders to be the main man. This year, um, he's passing great, he's linking up play with the strikers, is fantastic, he, um, the, the way he just pings balls, he's, he's just a totally different player, a big asset for Rangers. I think a big thing with, with Ryan Kenny, he's, he's, the full, he's the full pre-season, uh, which he's not had, I think, in, in the last few years. Um, he's done a full pre-season, he's looking a lot sharper than, than what he has done and his numbers is good in terms of his, his goals um, and it, he's, he's a massive player for Rangers I think um, even Morelos now look, looks to have screwed the head he's looking a bit fitter for them as well and he's, and he's their talisman, you're talking about Edward Morelos is still still the main man at Rangers um, and I, th- I think yeah, I watched the game as well on Sunday and they, I expected more from the mother actually, um, I don't know if they had a bit of a but hangover coming for the European game in Thursday night. Rangers freshened up. I think they made a couple of changes um, with Jordan Jones coming in. Um, I think they changed the left back as well. So maybe, maybe that you know that helped as well in terms of Rangers just having that a wee edge. But uh, I look comfortable. I look really comfortable. That um, the the second goal, the pace uh, that the lad in the right hand side, uh, he just went straight past the mother player to slot it in. Is a Barker? Oh, Jones, 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 Jones. Um, when, the, the goal was when he left oh, Kamarnock. He was given given us that command, being able to take the ball in the halfway line and go and beat two or three people or get in behind people. Um, we've still probably not replaced that type of player. Um, mm-hmm. The way we play, you know, we, we try and sit in, we try and make ourselves hard to beat and then hit on the counter attack. Um, we're probably missing a, a Jordan Jones type of. Uh, winger or player who can carry the ball that's at a distance I think straight and played at times aren't he Jordan Jones but wingers can be wingers can be many wingers you maybe go and try to get by them men four or five times and only only does it one or only put one good ball in the box um, he's certainly got he's certainly got that in his locker that ability in the locker so it's just trying to get it out on a more regular basis it was his pace that I, I was impressed with because he just skinned that boy he just cut in Beautifully, I think it was on his left, and he's hit it, and it's been past the keeper, and it's off the post. Then, absolute beautiful goal. 
I think with him as well, he knows that any chance that he does get for Rangers is I'm on his, I'm on maybe his last chance because yeah. he, there was talking that somebody was going to be going and stuff like that. But he's maybe even looking at Barker's got an injury. Hargey's maybe not found form yet. I think this season, it's probably fair yeah. to say. Um, he's got his chance, and maybe you never know. Maybe he gets a run of games, and then he can turn around his Rangers career. As you say earlier on, you know, fourth thing plays a confidence thing. You know, he's went and scored a goal. Um, Atten gets a couple of goals in the weekend. There was, you know, there was a lot of talk about him not not scoring any goals yet, and not really looking that dangerous. Uh, it goes and scores a, a couple of really good goals at the weekend. So, four thing players are all confidence based players. So hopefully, you know, with eight two, they would probably go on a run for for Rangers now. And then off the bench. Well, I was going to say, I was just going to say, Robert, you're doing coaching at the minute, and the big thing is the penalties. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I saw something in match of the day too, um, where Mourinho is actually getting his defenders to run out, his arms behind the backs yeah. to block. Um, yeah. How do you, as a coach, how do you manage that? How, how, I mean, because like I to me. That. These penalties are ridiculous. I think the rule, the rule needs looked at. Um, there's something in the rule that if the player arm was in a natural uh, position, then yeah, you, you give the penalty and all that sort of stuff. But if a player is not facing the ball and it's been headed against them, you know, how is he able to react to it? So it's it needs looked at. I don't think we can continue with this new handball, handball rule because there will be so many penalties given. And the ref, but be fair to the referees, though, the referees are only doing, mm. you know, I swear they're told, you know, they're, they're basically referring to the letter of the law and fair play to them. And I don't think, I don't think they're enjoying it either, but they are referring to the letter of the law just now. You'd almost be saying from an attacking point of view to your players, head off the defender's hand. Aye, I think I'd if you're crossing the ball for wide areas, you know, you maybe want to put it in at a, a bit of a height now or, or, or certainly try and hit it in a bit of height rather than along the ground because the chances are it's going to deflect up off a, an unnatural position or, or, or deflect off a hand. Dom, Dom Hutchinson was saying the exact same thing in ESPN. He was saying, like, if, if you're a striker and you've got the ball and you're in the box and you can't cross it, there's no one else to give it to, all you need to do is just try and leather the ball against the defender's hand. Yeah. Because the way the rules are at the minute, I mean, I'll be looked at if it's down in England um, or one of the top five leagues. I'll look at it and they've got a good 50-50 chance of getting a penalty, which, yeah, it's it's not where we want the game to go. You, you don't no. want to go down that it, What worries me is, who did who did they go and speak to about this rule, implementing this rule? Did they speak to managers, coaches, players, you know, even, even fans? Go and speak to fans about it. Who... Who's brought the rule in? Is it just your way for us to decide that this rule's going in? We like the, like the sound of it without actually going and, and doing any sort of survey on it. I, to I've me, that's going to ruin it. I've heard two different um, stories. One for the BBC. The BBC were trying to say that, let me get this right, FIFA wanted the rules to be more or less the same in every country. So they've tried to stop. Um, countries having like a different view so let, let's say for example in the Scottish like it was always kind of a rough and tumble league so you would get away with more tackles because oh, it's a good hard tackle well they're trying to get to where every league complies the same kind of way um, and this seems to be where the the top 
um, of the SFA, the uh, the Premiership, they've all had to come under this jurisdiction and say to the referees, "Listen, this is what you need to do." But I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't get it because if you if you take away, especially for the Scottish football, if you take away that hard tackling, that kind of you know go and get them like play by the rules kind of thing, then. Oh, I just, th- I just think it turns our league into a bit of a joke, to be honest Aye. with you. You even had the situation down south with Steve Bruce and they got a penalty, the one against yeah. Spurs. And he's yeah. even saying, the game's gone. If this is what's going to happen, then yeah. when fans do get a chance to go back, they're maybe going to be like, why am I going to go back and see mm-hmm. my team lose valuable points because of daft decisions like that? Absolutely. Um, frustrating. Should Motherwell had a penalty? I think so. Aaron Campbell. I think so. I think if it's out, outside the box, it's probably a foul. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think even Chris Boyd and um, the co-commentator there, I think McFadden as well, said the same. You know, it's, it's a, it can be a penalty. My theory on that one is, if there'd been fans, that would have been given. Because I think nobody in Motherwell protested about it. That, I mean, obviously, when Campbell's gone down, he's, he's claimed. But if you watch the Motherwell team, nobody kind of bats an eyelid they just kind of go into place but I think if that happened bear in mind there'd be all Motherwell fans behind that goal as well I think he might have given it then but he's probably just seen it and at first glance when I saw it I initially thought nah he's just went down and it was when you see it again you think oh, that should have been a penalty so oh you're probably right in terms of fans are there I think it would probably be given but, uh, is that a frustrating thing from a player though when you sometimes get that I, I'd imagine referees sometimes say it or if it was they'll give a foul outside the box but when it's in the box it's di- different rules there's a few I situations know. you get like that there's, there, is, there's a, there is a few situations like that. there's also a few situations like you can tell by the reaction of players you know whether it is a penalty whether it's not and usually many times out of 10 you just know by a reaction from a player um, I think that one I can't remember if he claimed for it but um I just, the, the decisions, it, it's baffling. No, why, why do the referee in different situations or different areas of the pitch? I, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I don't know why that happens, but it does happen. Do you know what I never? I, I never used to understand as well. This is, um, you've got a strike and a defender, and say if a high ball gets put up, defender goes for it, it's all over the striker, gets the ball, nothing. Goes the other way, the striker does exactly the same as the defender. The referee whistles free kick to the defense. I have never understood that. Yeah. Why that but is the way it the is. Other one, the other one that really annoys me is being a striker and being a wee striker as well. <laughs> is if the ball's on the top, right? And the ball's running out for a goal kick. The defender's no intention of playing Aye. that ball. He's just shielding me for getting to the ball. Yep. If I was to stop the, the centre half from running and jumping and going to head a ball, I'd get done for obstruction. Mm. You know, and and I just don't I don't understand that rule. I've it's always annoyed me that rule, the shielding the ball out of play. Yeah, I don't is, I, I don't is, understand it. Is it actually in the rule book? <laughs> is it just one of these things we've just kind of accepted just over the years? Don't they? Yeah. I don't accept it. I, there's a difference between you know keeping your your body in between the ball and and the man, which is fine, you know, shielding. It, but in terms of what they're doing, and it's, it's obstruction. It's obstruction. Um. We'll push on to another game on Sunday. We're doing it a bit back to front. Usually we'd start with Saturday and go on to Sunday, but let's talk about the Sunday games. Aberdeen again. Ross County 
after the back-to-back defeats against Motherwell and Sporting, back to winning ways, good performance again, back to McCrory and Ferguson, middle of the park, just controlling things. Brilliant. They're brilliant, the two, the two great, the great energy, they're, I think they're, uh, they're going to be a real partnership in there, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy coming up against the two, um, they're hungry, they get on the ball, Ferguson's got that bit of devilment as well that I like, um, in terms of being, being aggressive when he needs to be, so no, they, no, they, they two are, they're two of the real deal, I like them. The thing that I really like about Ferguson, as you say about the devil side of things, he's superb at getting his body in between man and ball, and winning maybe cheap fouls and fouls here and there, that's, that's part of the game, they are fouls, but he's, he's brown yeah. at it, and then McCrory's just complimenting him superbly, the two of them. Is that... I spoke to a lot of Rangers fans, friends, when he was leaving. Um, disappointed that he was leaving. You know, they, they'd seen a real future there for him, but for his development, the right thing to do is go and get game time. And he'll get looked after. Uh, Derek McCann will look after him. He'll, he'll give him the game time. He'll, he'll coach him in the right way. Um, and I, I think he'll be a really big player moving forward for Aberdeen. And I think he'll get in the, the national setup as well. I think he's that good. Uh, I was folks surprised he wasn't in the squad today, like especially his versatility as well. Yeah, I think the good thing for Aberdeen is, I mean, I only get to see Aberdeen games um, through like the highlights, but anything that is positive, Aberdeen's play, McGrory's part of it. He's either winning the ball, setting it up, or he's running through doing a box to box, and that can be only a good thing. I, I, I can't remember a player in midfield and semi midfield that's been that dominant for you guys for a long time. Shinny. Ferguson's good. Shinny. Shinny, obviously. the last one that you have to get back to. We missed him massively last year because mm. he's again someone that does everything, but I think potentially McCrory could be even better long term. It's early to say just now, but scoring goals, breaking up play, dribbling, wins a penalty on Sunday with a great yeah. run. But- um, what I like, what I like about what McInnes has done with him, he's not, he's not put the reins on him. He's not told mm-hmm. him he's a holding midfielder, a sitting midfielder. His uh, goal against Kamal typifies that. He hits the box and it's a great finish. You know, he's timing the run. Um, you think that was a seasoned pro, you know, a, a midfielder that's been doing it for for ten years or whatever. He's shown a real maturity, which is is, is brilliant for Aberdeen. Um, I say. Him, him and him and Ferguson, they'll complement each other really well, and I, I like I like that excitement of being a box to box midfielder instead of having two sitting midfielders or a sitting midfielder. They've got the freedom to go, um, which is great, and it's hard it's hard to play against, it's hard to mark, hard to pick up as well. Um, I think it, did it not win the penalty at the weekend as well. I went to penalty, I were to run into the box. I um, the thing as well though, look, you've got the two of them competing quite often against three in midfield as well. You don't even notice it because they're that good. Yeah, they're covering every blade of grass. Um, do you not think as well Vikers could have been sent off for the first tackle? Aye, aye, it was quite cynical. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised the referee... There, there was a couple, actually. Um, I've I seen um, during the highlights um, that the referee only gave yellow. There was one in the Simon game. Um, the defender... Um, yeah, Mellon. I, I don't, don't want... Tackle or not. I, th- I think... Uh... After the game, Dials came out and just said, look, they're big boys, he's jumped up to after he's gone away, which is, he's dusting it down, but yet, in an odd day, he uh, might, might have seen red. And again, um, just we're going back to our game, transformation in terms of style of play. This week we had Ryan Hedges playing at right wing back. I know you touched on Forrest not being able to play at wing back, but Hedges playing right wing back, and they're all interchanging. That's when, you know, McGinn's playing right wing back. 
Uh, I thought he had a good start to the game again. He looked did. really impressive at the beginning. He's always good to the middle. He did it a wee bit towards the end of last season, but I think Watkins was probably helped out as well by having someone playing a bit closer to him. Um, he obviously gets a goal as well from Hayes. Brilliant cross. And then the great leap for the goal. But we could have been two or three up within about the first ten Aye. minutes. We had some great chances. I think within about 30 seconds, Begin had a chance. We had one Scott right off the post. Um, and then I think Watkins had... No, McGinn had another chance, actually. He hit the post. So... Another think, clean sheet as well. I think they had the, the opposite reaction to, to Murrow. I think Aberdeen started like really in the front foot. I think you know they were coming off that that result on Thursday night, and they've started like housing fire. You know, I, I thought they might have been the opposite. I thought they might have just uh, bedded their sail in the game, but they were really at it for the first minute. They were they were impressive at the weekend. I think Ross County need to look at themselves a wee bit as well because they're they're in danger at the minute because they. They're sliding big time at the moment. I mean, they've had a really good start. I know that they're seventh in the league, but that kind of hides how bad they've been the last couple of weeks. Um, and I've seen a start um, with them as well. They're struggling to get goals. So it's going to be tough for Ross County. Um, so they need to try and get points somewhere. But it'll be games against the likes of Hamill and Simon where they'll need to pick up victories big time. Yeah, yeah. Their, their difficulty as well will be trying to keep hold of Ross Stewart. I think he's getting linked with a few clubs down south, and then in this kind of current climate, I think if they get a half decent offer, they'll be away. Yeah, yeah. Another one that come through the the ranks and the juniors. Yeah. One of them is he's he's proven that there's not. We were talking earlier about the the standards and the players that are at that level. There isn't much difference. There isn't much difference. A huge games here they can go and mm. certainly play. There's that many when like Chris Doolan, Chris Erskine in the past, McKinnon, he's gone back to the juniors best of Scotland, whatever you want to call yeah, it, no, as well. There's loads, loads of people that's come out there. I just, uh, there's, there seems to be this thing that's lost. There's not a lot of players getting loaned out now to the, the junior ranks as there was years ago. You know, certainly when I first started, I think nearly everybody at United that was in S-forms or in the, the 19 squad was certainly playing with a, a junior team on a Saturday. Um, and it, it, it gets you ready for, for uh, playing in the first team or play, play, playing reserve team football. I think sometimes it's a bit of snobbery, especially in the top league. When it comes yeah. to like junior football, they just think it's like over over the hill ex professional players, and it isn't really because, as you say, you can find some great gems down there. I mean, Chris Erskine was a great player. Um, yeah. you, you know, I mean, he was he was really good, but. Yeah, to me it's just snobbery. It really is. I mean, look at the great players in the past. I think Doug Leash, when he was a Celtic, they sent him out. I think it was the, it was the Campus Lang Rangers they sent him out to. Aye, a lot of players back then started in the juniors and would go to top flight clubs. Yeah, yeah. I, just don't, I don't understand when you've got a good setup like that, why you wouldn't use it to benefit yourself. Or even like for the big clubs to, like I don't know, adopt a team. You know, help them out. Think it's you know, I mean, that kind of, I, I don't, I don't understand it. It's one of the yeah, best things. It benefits both football. parties, doesn't it? it benefits yeah. both the, the both clubs to get the player game time. It gets the the, the loan club recognition as well. Um, and it is, there's more and more players getting lost to the game um, just now. So it's the right it's the right time to get the players back out um, because I know a lot of amateur teams are on a knife edge. There's a lot of junior teams that's moved to the West of Scotland team on a knife edge in terms of financially be able to compete um, in the, the coming year which is it's a sad state of affairs just now um, and we don't know when we're going to get back going yeah, I think we're seeing the seniors as well team struggling 
with the yeah. lower leagues when they start. I know some teams have introduced streaming services and different things like that, but there's concern there as well. I think there's was... concern for a long time anyway about the future of having as many professional clubs um, and maybe yeah. the setup of it as well. There was a perfect chance for reconstruction. I've said for many a year, I think you should have the two top flights and then everything below that regionalised. It would mm. help out Scottish football, I think, massively. Um, I think so. I, th- I think as well. I, w- I would agree when you speak to the, the players and stuff. We we've got games right through Christmas, New Year. We should have that two weeks off. I would I would love to implement something that would would run through the summer when the the senior teams aren't aren't playing. I mean, the, even games like Cumbercock and Lake on a Friday night. I mean, that would that would have some of a crowd there. Oh, Irvine Irvine and Irvine Meadow playing the Miramis Cup every summer, and I think that gets about twelve hundred at the games on aye, a Friday night. Aye. It was, a I, chance, it was a chance to re, restructure everything um, and give our grade of football a, a better chance of getting people through the gates. Um, it just feels as if it's a bit stale at times, you know, in terms of we're just following the, the, the leagues above us. Um, it's, it's what it is, I suppose. I always remember as a kid, I used to live um, on Barhead Road in Paisley, and as a kid, I used to get when I used to be the semi finals of the Junior Cup. Yep. Um, you would get obviously played a love street, and you'd love get all the teams for Ayrshire and the busload of fans used to come down that Barhead Road. Honestly, uh, it was just you'd never see so many, uh, and I've, I would be the only time down my area you would see busloads of fans coming through to to Love Street uh, before the Junior Cup semi final because there'd be so many coming down yep. to Ayrshire. That's where they used used to play all the the big cups, you know, the West Ayrshire at like Somerset Park, or they used to get through and use used grounds like uh, Love Street, mm. uh, and it, that's 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 what they've done Friday night under the lights. Mm. And now that I just think we need to get back to that. You know, there needs to be there needs to be a, a restructure to allow to allow us to to get more fans through through the gates at our grade of football. I have won at different times as opposed to competing against the seniors for crowds. Yeah. Yeah. Because I spoke it's quite happily got games for like this Saturday, Sunday if they could. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm one of them. I love going and watching football, I love watching the T V. You know, the amount of times your wife comes in, I've been sitting there on the Sunday morning right through to Sunday night because there's games on every every couple of hours. Um but it's so easy just to sit there and watch it on the T V. But if it was close season, if there wasn't any teams playing, it was that four five weeks of close season. And our grade was running through that period. I think they would get more people to the games. You know, I certainly know from being at Darvo that, that there's a lot of Kamal fans that follow Darvo because of John Gill yeah. um, and his relationship with Kamal. So if Kamal weren't playing on a Saturday, they maybe they maybe go there on a Saturday, or if it was a Friday night game uh, during the summer or whatever. You know, it's, you're speaking too much sense, Robert. You're speaking weird. too much sense. That's radical. <laughs> Tranmere uh, do it down here. Tranmere Rovers do it down here. Like, well, obviously when they had fans being able to go into the ground, they used to play on a Friday night. So, like, um, they would get the fans who uh, may have go to the Liverpool or the Evan game on the Saturday. They would go watch Tranmere on the Friday night, and then they could go to the Liverpool the Evan games um, if yeah. they were home on the weekend. And it helped them out. I mean, they get decent crowds, um, Tranmere uh, Rovers. It's so, even for the, the players' point of view as well, like, you're, you're, you're having holidays through the season anyway, you know, whether it's October or whatever, you know, you, sometimes that's when your wife gets holidays or the kids, you need to take the kids away during summer holidays or whatever, so that happens anyway, but some people, you know, I've tried to sign players, but I can't commit because I get the kids on a Saturday. Aye. Right, well, see if it's Friday night games, 
you'd have a full weekend to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, from a player's point of view, or if you had other commitments, I speak to people who's playing in the over 35s leagues, um, and they love it. They love a Friday night game. It gives them the full weekend to themselves. Some of them playing in the 35s leagues and, and manage or coach on a Saturday as well. So I, I, th- I think it would, it would certainly help. Certainly help. And we're coming into the winter time when the games are going to be off. So we're going to start a season. The pitches, you know, we've tried to upgrade our pitch the best we can. Um, but if it's snowing and hailstones and freezing temperatures, we're not going to get games on. The thing I've never understood as well, and the likes of the lower leagues and the juniors, is why not at the start of the season when the weather's good have more midweek games as opposed to, you know, every season you're going to be cramming in how yep. many games at the end of the season. Use the good weather when it's there. Use, use the good weather or, or, or restructure the, the start of the, the campaign so is that you're getting you're getting a, a quicker turnaround one season so as you're getting the game started and maybe playing twice a week for a, a period of time to get games in and giving the players, coaches and managers, who a lot isn't doing it for money at this level, the, the time off in between Christmas and New Year to spend with their families. Aye, exactly. Aye. Um, I think we'll probably skip by the other games we'll no bother because I think we're about close to two hours but we'll finish off with some quick fire questions that we call slow fire questions <laughs> favourite beer or wine Robert? Uh, red wine uh, like a Chateau of the Park um, oh very drink- posh oh yeah <laughs> Moretti been drinking Moretti Moretti aye that's my choice of beer aye uh, toughest opponent in football Toughest opponent. I have to say, I played against Andy Robertson when he was at Queen's Park. Oh, yeah, don't uh, name drop that one, I. I had to name drop him. No, Dean Keenan, true. Hated playing against him. Just really aggressive. You know, never, never gave you a minute. He was, he was always a tough opponent. Um, he was a real hard one. You're in the car on a road trip. What's your go-to album to listen to? Uh, probably you know, some of the Oasis or Stereophonics. Right, okay. Tony, you got any uh, some questions? The fun stuff? Eh, oh, let's have a wee look now. Let's have a think. Have you had the choice to go to any holiday destination? Where would you go? Uh, went to Maldives on our honeymoon last year, uh, which was out of this world, so I'd get back there. It was un- unbelievable. What a place. There was something else I had in my head. I'm trying to think what it was. Oh, best dressing room prank that you've seen in your career. Oh. Uh, easy, hands down. So, Albion Rovers, um, in the second season, we signed a young boy from under 21s, Simon Marriott. And a few of the boys decided, it was Stevie, Stevie Cannon, Andy Scott decided to wind them up about a Scotland call-up for the under-21s. So, Canzo has got his work mobile and texts him, kidding on he was Des McCune for the, the Daily Record. Um, would it be possible to meet up on Saturday? Um, and I think it was like a Tesco cafe before our game. It's just, I'll bring a photographer along, we'll do a wee bit. You're going to be announced in, in Monday after the game in the, the Scotland under-21s squad. So I think this was like the Monday night of training. They've done this after training. And then on the Wednesday night, they'll get the, the gaffer involved. You know, they've said to Paul Martin, look, we're winding him up here. Get involved with it. So he's pulled him aside and went, by the way, you know, I've heard you're getting an under-21 
21 call up for Scotland, you know, he's a great <laughs> player. He's played 60 minutes of football, I think. You know, he's, he's, hardly, he's hardly played. So he's in the group chat talking away and the boys are going, take that number back and ask how much money you're getting. Because you're getting money from the paper. <laughs> <laughs> he's texting back. It's, Kansas kept it going, you know, 50 quid or whatever, you know, whatever he's getting. Uh, so the Friday night text goes in for, Steve, for Kansas' work phone, uh, who he thinks is Des McCune, saying, turn up with your tracksuit on and keep two seats next to you in the Tesco cafe or in at 12 o'clock. <laughs> so the boys have all got together and they've got uh, a, a Scot- bought a Scotland strip and all that and I've ran in the middle of it and he's sitting there. He's like, look, look, I've on his face. Oh, and, right? So you know, the boys have left, but he's grand and mum and all that's out in the car park. They're thinking, oh, he's getting a call. So it was, it was, oh. boys, but it was, it was so awkward. And then we get in the dressing room Sure as hell, Paul Martin starts his uh, team talk off, and you know, we're on the laugh joke, deadly serious. And he goes, I mean, you, you're tough, you know, thinking you're gonna, <laughs> you can't even pass your ball 10 yards, you know, he's just playing into it. But no, that was one of the that was one of the best ones, really, really good. Oh, I know, I like that one, that's original as well, compared to other ones we've had. That's, At least it's clean yeah, as well, it's one you can tell. Aye, aye, definitely. I think the video, it was a video kicking about YouTube for a wee while of it, you know, with the boys busting in with the Scotland stuff and all that. <laughs> I know, that's, that's good, that's up there. One the best pranks we've heard. We've heard one before where I think it was Keenan and he walked into a wedding, went up to the bar and he had trousers around his ankles at the bar, ordering drinks and he thought, I like what you're doing, and he'd be like, what do you mean? Aye, <laughs> does it surprise me? Does it surprise me? And I remember when in the shower. I remember when it uh, wasn't it lined up, but I remember the boys telling me that, that Robert Riley went to Club de Mar. We, he never had any shoes, he only had his trainers, his tracksuit, uh, and he wore his, his football boots, his Copa Mundial suit to Club de Mar to get in. <laughs> <laughs> just, some of the stories I heard, heard from him was, was you know, mental, absolutely mental. Best night, out, best night out after the football, was it that after the Rovers game or was it? Ah, yeah, after the Rovers game. Was uh, was brilliant, you know. The bus journey back up the road. Anyway, we ended up stomping the traffic for about half an hour outside the stadium with the the boards, and uh, it was just uh, brilliant. In the Georgian Hotel as well, they looked after us really well in terms of food and drink, and aye, uh, brilliant, brilliant night, brilliant day. Good, aye, uh, good stuff. Anything else you want to ask, Tony? No, I would say to you, um, anything you can plug for yourself um, while you're on, um, either for um, yourself or for the team, by oh, I, social media. I think we're, uh, we're, we're just trying to create that environment, give ourselves another another platform um, in terms of a club stature. You know, it's been a bit stale down there for a wee while, so I think they've been in that league for a wee while. We're in a new setup now in the West of Scotland League, so um, if you MDs, once we're getting fans back, Fendi's out and about, get down to Anne Bank and, and come into the game, say hello. Um, good to see new faces, especially um, in this day and age when people are staying away for the game. Great value as well, that's a, mate. That's a big thing. Brilliant. Always fantastic. Brilliant. Um, I know there's, there's guys taking their, their kids to senior games just now and it's costing them an arm and a leg. So I think at the West of Scotland League next year, there's going to be loads of good games. That, that tier six is, is, is brilliant. Um, even our our level as well. There's loads of good games here. Um, so no, it's going to be a good standard. It's, it's really exciting. Hopefully we can get it going sooner rather than later with fans. Aye, well, best of luck when it eventually gets going anyway. We'll need to get you back on. Just right, just to talk about it. 
Aye, no, next time he's got a, a free week, give me a shout and we'll go on. Well, no, you've been brilliant. Sorry we've kept you for a couple of hours. I think we're only thinking, we've been only thinking <laughs> an hour, but you've been great. You don't notice though. <laughs> See, when you're going, when you're talking away, you don't notice. That's it. That's it. You see, uh, every day in life I talk about football, whether it's my dad, my brother. You know, now, now I'm coaching, there's managers phoning me up asking about players and offering me players, you know, it's it's constant. So, no, I enjoy, enjoy talking about football. Um, so, big Kamalik fan, enjoy, enjoy going to Kamalik games when I can, I watch Kamalik games when I can, so, good. Well, get, next time we get you on, we'll ask you more about your memories as Kamalik fan and all that. We can make a bit yeah. different. All right. Sounds good. Right, cheers, Robert. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Tony. Cheers. <laughs>